This is a Federal News Network podcast. One thing about the cybersecurity crisis, there's no shortage of products to help you deal with it. Federal practitioners often complain their load of software products form a sort of chaos all by themselves. Now a consortium of competing suppliers aims to bring interoperability and data sharing across their products. It's the Open Cybersecurity Alliance, or OCA. Joining me with what's going on, Jason Kierstead. He's chief architect at IBM Security Threat Management. Mr. Kierstead, good to have you on. Hi, it's great to be here. And Kent Landfield, chief standards and technology policy strategist at McAfee. Mr. Landfield, good to have you on. Good to be with you, and thanks for your interest in the OCA. Jason, let's start with you. What is going on here with this consortium? What is it you're trying to accomplish? So what we're trying to accomplish with the Open Cybersecurity Alliance essentially is to enhance the interoperability of cybersecurity software. Um, What we're seeing in the marketplace today is a very fragmented landscape of tools from a lot of different vendors. And those tools, while while vendors such as ourselves and McAfee invest a lot of time and resources to making our tools interoperate, um, we feel that there's a lot more that could be done um, by having the the vendor community and the, the consumers of our tools and products work together on open source standards and practices and technologies to essentially allow products to interoperate better out of the box so that when you're procuring products from multiple different vendors that they can share data and insights and intelligence in a more efficient manner. Kent, the thing you hear people say so often is that they have all these data sources from the different tools and there's a whole class of tools that do nothing but integrate data from other tools and to populate federal dashboards and so on. This is what this is all aimed at, is to try to simplify that effort? Well, it's really trying to, yes, really trying to simplify the effort so that out of the box, so to speak, um, it's a lot less burdensome on the um, customers to be able to integrate this into their environments. We're also looking at uh, trying to provide a foundation that will allow for more innovation to actually occur in the cybersecurity space. Um, our adversaries are working very closely together in a lot of respects uh, to assure that uh, they are doing what they're needing to do to evade law enforcement and to uh, monetize as much as they can. But at the same time, as a cybersecurity community, we're not really focused on that. So this is an effort that is uh, trying to make the job easier for our customers. We've heard from customers for years. This is a very, very difficult task to take a whole bunch of disparate products and shove them together and make them work together. Um, this is this is one area that really needs to be addressed if we're going to uh, be able to provide a foundation for innovation in cybersecurity. Now, I hear a couple of strains here. One is open source, which is the software, I guess, used to build tools. And then there is the data that the tools put out, which has proprietary formats, I guess, and maybe some way of harmonizing those. So maybe Jason can explain to us, sort that out, the open source piece and the data interoperability piece. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. And um, one, so when we talk about the data the tools are sharing, um, there are a variety of different standards that exist in the marketplace today to exchange cybersecurity data. But what we see as vendors often is that compliance with a standard is not enough to ensure true interoperability. Um, I sometimes liken it to the notion of two people may speak the same language, but if they don't have the same vocabulary, it's hard to exchange information. So 
Um, essentially, what we're trying to do in the OCA is take those standards, which are the data sharing standards um, that OASIS and other groups such as IETF and uh, ISO create, and make them real by implementing open source software and libraries to let you use those standards. And by, by making those libraries open source, when vendors uh, or customers adopt them, they can ensure that everybody in the OCA ecosystem are always able to interoperate because we're literally using the same source code, not just the same data standard. We're speaking with Jason Kierstead. He's Chief Architect at IBM Security Threat Management and Kent Landfield, Chief Standards and Technology Policy Strategist at McAfee. And Kent, what is the level of industry buy-in for this effort on interoperability that OASIS, the consortium, is putting out here? Well, this is an OASIS open project. And as we have seen um, recently, um, with the launch of the uh, Open Cybersecurity Alliance, there is uh, quite a bit of interest. We have, I think there's now 20 uh, companies that have signed up to participate uh, in the effort. Uh, these are uh, These are companies that you would recognize that are here to try to solve this problem uh, from a, an ecosystem perspective and being able to share that data, being able to have some foundational plumbing, so to speak, that allows for that communication to be consistently um, uh, available in the same uh, approach. Uh, having having uh, the reception that we've had to date has been very um, enlightening uh, because it re- reinforces the fact that we are in a situation where this is a problem that has to be addressed by the community and the community recognizes that and is um, falling in behind uh, the efforts to try to accomplish that. And how many vendors are in there so far? Uh, Jason can correct me, but I think at this point there was 20. There are currently 20 members um, and just just they're, they're not currently actually all vendors. We, we have at least one member at the current point in time who there actually there's two members at the current point in time who are not vendors but um, existing consortiums. So that's that's an interesting point about these Oasis Open projects as well is they're open not only to the vendor community but also the consumer community and NGO community. And you referenced earlier IEEE standards and ISO standards are the let's say small case S standards that you are promulgating. Will those, do you envision those becoming IEEE or ISO standards, or are these just industry standards, but maybe going a little bit further than standards have existed so far in the industry? So we, as the Open Cybersecurity Alliance, because this is being formed under the auspices of OASIS, um, one of the unique advantages we have with this project is that we can start as open source software code and at a later date, if we decide to take some of those artifacts and advance them to ISO or um, uh, various other standards bodies, we have that ability. Um, it's something that we haven't decided yet, and we, we will decide at a future point in time as part of the consortium, but we, we do have that ability via this, this organization. One of the things also to be understood is we're not developing everything from scratch. This isn't a matter of um, let's, let's start writing code tomorrow and figure out how to make it work. This is a matter of incorporation of existing standards and existing projects that are out there. Oasis happens to have some of the more relevant cybersecurity-related uh, efforts that we plan to integrate first. 
But as Jason said, as we move forward, we're going to be in a situation where it may be beneficial to us to standardize and, and write specifications for specific aspects, which um, we could do through an OASIS uh, technical committee and then later advance it to others as necessary. And a final question, what do you envision as the ultimate benefit for, say, federal agencies dealing with cybersecurity? They deal with how to comply and get value out of programs that are federal-specific, like CDM, but then there is also the issue of dwell time, of threats, discovering zero-day threats before they become problems. What is it people will get out of using products in these standards classes? Jeff? There, there's two key benefits to downstream consumers of um, OCA products. And the first is the ability to detect more advanced threat activity. Um, when, when cybersecurity products in an ecosystem exchange data in a more efficient manner, what it means is that your personnel have to spend less time supporting and maintaining all of these different uh, fragile integrations in your ecosystem. That personnel can then be redirected towards, you know, their, what they should be focused on as opposed to making sure products talk to each other, which is actually detecting threats. And secondly, when those products exchange information, their analytics will work better. They'll be able to detect things that previously may have gone unnoticed because that data didn't make it smoothly from product A to product B. Um, another benefit to consumers um, is reduction of vendor lock-in. Um, so as the ecosystem grows and vendors exchange more data via these channels, it becomes easier to swap out like-for-like -like vendors if you so choose. Um, so as, as one example, if um, a security intelligence product was integrated with a user behavior analytics product via these standards, and you later on decided to go and purchase a different user behavior analytics product, you could then swap these out without having to spend a lot of time and expense redoing all of the integrations that you did with the previous two products. And from a federal government perspective, if the federal government is one of those extremely huge environments with uh, many, many different multiple organizations that are buying products across the spectrum of cybersecurity and trying to integrate them together. Um, this has been a long-term problem for not just agencies, but also uh, the Department of Defense. Um, that was published actually as a goal of what they're trying to achieve in their digital modernization strategy. Uh, it was published last uh, July. Um, the, the integration is a very expensive uh, part and without uh, doing it properly, there's the potential for opening up um, uh, threat uh, vectors that could be utilized. Uh, so the idea behind the federal government uses of, of these types of things, of, of a, of a uh, common ecosystem, of a, a common set of uh, code that allows us to, to share information and share threat data, brings them uh, that kind of, of capabilities much faster. It also brings them the ability to do what many people have wanted to do for years, and that's buy best of breed. And it's hard to buy best of breed when they don't integrate with what you already have. Kent Landfield is Chief Standards and Technology Policy Strategist at McAfee. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. And Jason Kierstead is Chief Architect at IBM Security Threat Management. Thank you also. Thank you very much. It's been great. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. 
Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 